Hi, I'm Maddie, and I don't have a hobby. Hi, I'm Haley, and I have too many hobbies. And I've taken it upon myself to get Maddie hooked on just about anything. In this podcast, we're talking true crime. We're talking Enneagram. We're talking mental health. We're talking Scientology. And just about everything in between. So we're inviting you on a journey that you definitely didn't ask to be invited on. In the hopes that you too would like to be Average, average girls Average and owning it Average and owning it Hey everybody, um Yeah, sorry, welcome we're already recording back. There's already chaos and you just started so. yeah. Welcome Um, Maddie and I are here And Emerson is here trying to stifle a laugh and I don't know why <laughs> Um, many of you know Emerson Also known as my roommate um, she's here. We, we were struggling with a hot take today and, um, Emerson never stops talking. So we figured that she would have <laughs> something, uh, to help us out. So how's everybody doing today? Good. I'm doing well. <laughs> What's in your eye? I don't know, but this feels Oh, I lost my contact amazing. while I was driving today. You ever just hit a good spot? Like in with your, your eye? In your, yeah. Yeah. Like, or in your ear or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, do you ever notice that you never have like a whatever you have like you ever get like an itch in your throat or in your mouth? Yeah, and like it, you never actually satisfy it; it just goes away. No, I've never been able to satisfy an itch in my throat or mouth. Oh, I like get it <laughs> with your finger. Yeah, that's disgusting. You pick your nose with those fingers. Yeah, and I've watched you do it. I feel like that's less weird to itch something in the back of your throat with a finger than it is to pick your nose. No, I'm agreeing with you, but like it's been in both places. <clears throat> Yeah, for sure. You wipe your hand with your... (laughs) You wipe wipe your hand with your... You wipe your butt with your hand? I don't. (laughs) There's toilet paper involved. Not your hand hand. Also... (laughs) My not hand hand? You know what I mean. I'm just saying your hand has been both places. Is your face getting red? (laughs) I think it is. Okay. You are going to have to come over here, Emerson, to so you, we so can hear you. we can hear you. Yeah. Um, Emerson, how have you been? Why don't you give us a little life update? Anything fun? Yeah. Just doing great. On Christmas break, officially. Okay. So, Living God. the dream. Living all of the dream. All of you college students, you know? I might never go back to grad school, though, so I should probably... I hope my boss doesn't listen to this. <laughs> I don't think she does. Hey, Madison, she's kidding. She's kidding. I'm kidding. I love Portico. She loves it so much. She's also crying. <laughs> One, two. You're just digging yourself in a deeper hole. Here. I know. I know. Okay, Emerson, you got anything good for us? Uh, yeah. Okay. A couple of good ones. Oh, you got okay. it. Wow, that was fast. Yeah. Uh, let me think, though. I already <laughs> forgot them. I love that. Uh, would you rather be deaf? Or, or bl- not just or no blind? Other. Okay. <laughs> or be me. No, <laughs> would I'm, you like to be? I'm partially Oh yeah, she's Emerson's deaf in one ear, which has made Not my fully, life as her roommate slightly help. But yeah. she said, "But uh, yeah, would you rather?" Oh, I can't remember. I wrote it down. Hold on. Be deaf or? Well, I guess deaf or blind. That's like the universal. Like okay, I always have a hard time with that one, though. Oh really? Yeah. I know exactly what I would choose. But blind. Deaf. Well, I'm halfway there already, so oh, I feel like I, I already kind of know. But because if you're blind, you can't drive. You just lose a lot of your like independence and can you drive if you're deaf yeah oh i guess because there's lights i'm thinking like yeah. sirens yeah you can still i mean you could still drive i would My rather be deaf, deaf too deaf. yeah you what i'd rather be deaf i think oh well that's so sad i could never hear the thought of, of voices the never point hearing. of being deaf <laughs> <laughs> you act like you drew a conclusion the thought of never no hearing. i was thinking i could never hear like my baby's oh, voice or yeah. like i could never hear Corey's voice again but i, I would rather see voice. my newborn and like see my yes. child grow up than hear you its would voice. never be able to listen to this podcast again <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm choosing deaf every time <laughs> Um, would you rather lose your ability to read or lose your ability to speak? Read. Oh, I don't read very much. Read. Anyway. Yeah, but even reading like streets, not like just th- like you're just yeah. looking at it and it's gibberish. I always think that when I'm watching little kids and they ask me a question, I just totally make it up. I'm like, oh, it says whatever. Oh, like whatever. Like the time Carter Green was <laughs> trying to spell a cuss word that was written on his. There, yeah, it was on the, it was like on graffiti. Somebody wrote asshole. I think so. I don't know. It was asshole. And, and Emerson. Oh, it says ocean. Yeah, it's, it's like so, ocean. it's my favorite okay. video. Yeah. 
Yeah. He was like, are you sure? And Emerson's like, yep, it says ocean. Like, I'm 22, I can read. You can't. What's the other option again? <laughs> or you can never speak. Speak? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to have to. Here's the thing. I know someone who is actually, like, illiterate, like, can't read or write. And it's very sad. So I'd be upset about it, but, like, it is way, a way bigger hindrance if you can't speak. Speaking yeah. is your whole communication. Like, your yes. whole everything. You'd have to learn <laughs> sign language. I never shut up. Oh, God. You would have to pick. Re- I know you'd pick. Re- you barely read and you never shut up. Sign language. I would, too. Yeah. That'd be cool. I say that, but I don't think I, well, unless Emerson goes deaf, then I'll learn it. You would? Yeah. Aw, no, you wouldn't. You just make fun of me. Right Emerson, I'm planning on living with you for That's an absurd volume. amount of time. I'm not. <laughs> well, listen, one of us is going to get married, and it's. And the other one's moving into the basement of the person right. who got married first. Exactly. All right. <laughs> Glad we worked that out on the air. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like when you say on the air, it makes this sound way more official than, than it in this is. wood paneled room. <laughs> <laughs> this place sucks. By this place, she does mean our home. <laughs> no, the rest of it's great. Just this room. This you guys should experience. It I sometime. like this room. You guys keep hating on our it. address. Is <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a very the funny thing is so Emerson and I, whenever we first came to tour this house, whenever we were looking to move out, we came in and there was nobody else here. They were like, the lady was like, oh, the door's open, just go ahead in. We were like, okay. So we came in and this is the first room we went in after the living room and we and it's wood paneled. And we came in and we were like, oh, and it has wood floors. So we were like, oh my God, it would have followed the rooms were like this. And luckily they weren't. This is the only one, which is almost weirder. Why is yeah. this one wood paneled? And there's a door that we didn't know where it led oh, at right. the time, but we walked into this room first because it really catches your eye when you walk through <laughs> the door because it is horrible. It's and we walked in and we tried to open this door that I would assume is a closet and there were nails like keeping the door shut so you can't open the door well then we realized we like walked to the other side and realized it's because it opens to the kitchen and the refrigerator is blocking and so it makes more sense now but it was very scary to walk into it still a is very kind murderous of. room because why is it there with a door with a door that's shut. nailed shut yeah yeah but and why the is house it there was just open when we came to see it was very i still have never figured it out because it's not like the kitchen was an add-on I think or this room was maybe an add-on, or that used to, the fridge wasn't there, and it, I don't know, we can discuss this later. I guess that's true. <laughs> we can figure it out. They don't know where That's a good so. call. Okay. Yeah. Um, would you rather be able to go into the future for five minutes? That's all. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, and you can pick when it is. Okay. Oh, no. Unless you pick, like, 57 and you're dead already. <gasps> that's how, it's just black. <laughs> And oh then you God. just wonder, am just I for in a five coma? minutes you're sitting there. Am I dead? <gasps> what am I? That's okay, sad. what's the other option? Or the alternative is the past. You lose oh. Oh, three years off your life. What? I- <laughs> the options are die sooner or find out more. <laughs> I don't know. I can think of Why do you, you just say the past? You, no, you said it so sadly. <laughs> because that's so cliche. <laughs> no, but I think that one's really hard. I don't know what I would do. Wait, what I said? Three years <laughs> no, no, I'm saying <laughs> for no reason. No. I would just do a loophole and go ten minutes into the future. I what? I would just go ten minutes into the future. <laughs> what? <laughs> so that explain anything. I don't want to be on this podcast. <laughs> Um, no, it does explain. Wait I would a minute. do a loophole. I wouldn't go 20 years into the future because what if I saw something that was awful? <laughs> oh. You just pick like July 8th and it's like a Tuesday morning and you wake up and it's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> what? That's sad. How yeah, what you if get, you, how what you, if you five step more in? minutes is what I don't understand. Yeah, no, I don't get that either. <laughs> oh, she forgot that it was five minutes. That's why. Oh, I thought there was some loophole, loophole about the yeah. 10 minute thing. Me oh, too. yeah, I would just go into the future like 10 minutes from she's, now. She's not getting what we're oh, showing. No, you know what I'm saying? I so get what you're I didn't saying. see anything that was like, oh, I shouldn't be here. Oh, are you I serious? I mess up the time. Yeah. I thought you were saying, I don't get five minutes. I get 10 minutes <laughs> in the future. Same. Wait, no, no. pause. Can I? Wait. Wait. <laughs> Here's what I'm saying. Uh, what if the question is, if you have the option to go a certain amount of years in the future and see, would you take it? Yes. I would. You wouldn't? 
No. Oh gosh, no. I absolutely would. I'm. So I wouldn't. Busy. I know it would ruin me. Absolutely. No matter what it because is. Because I've been trying to, to figure out how I got there. If yeah. it was really good, I'd be like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. If it were really tragic, every time something happened in my life, I'd be like, this, this is, is the this turning point. There? Yeah. Is this my define? We talk about the final What if you're? What if you're? That's like what if you're married to someone that you know and that you don't even really like like that much? You just wake up next oh. to them. You turn over and you're like. <gasps> It's I don't know I'm trying to think I, of a friend of ours. Wait, you don't have you turn friends. you turn over and, and it's Joey Brzezinski. <gasps> Sorry, Joey. <laughs> <laughs> but like it, that wouldn't make any sense. You'd be like, how did we get here? But what if it's like, like Joey came to our house and like what if it's not that I'm married to him? You don't have any context. You just wake up and you're next to Joey. You, you assume you're married to him, but you're not. You just had a one night stand. With He's him. your father in all of a sudden. Like why you would know? you be with your brother? <laughs> Then you would you have five minutes. I'm gonna get many out of questions. the bed. I would look around the house. What are the picture frames? Yeah. Are there kids' yes. rooms? I would wake the guy up. What's my job? Who am I? How are long has it been? Are my parents alive? Five minutes. You rapid fire. Rapid fire. Yeah. yeah. They're gonna answer. He's gonna say, "Why are you asking me this?" And I'm gonna say, "Shut up, Joey. You're my husband, and I want to know what's going on." And then he's not your husband. Though. We're all in this scenario. We're all married to Joey Brzezinski. I'm not. Sorry, guys. Like I'm already for well, I I think if it was anything but like a really cute cozy home and like little kids and me and Corey, I would just burst into tears. Yeah, yeah. But I would still want to know. Yeah, I would still want to know too. I would still do it. Yeah, I wouldn't. Hmm. Interesting. Do you want to stay here for our episode? <laughs> no, I was doing okay. the dishes. Yeah, okay. actually, can you go finish those? Thanks. You put them away. Yeah. Okay, just don't walk in front of the camera when you leave. Oh, I won't. <laughs> wow, this is a great system. Alrighty, well, um, Emerson, thank you for being here. We we clearly Honestly, needed the least that. I could do. Yeah, I mean, you owe us at this point. Yeah, just cut out that one part. Oh, well. we won't. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Um. So we're actually gonna. I haven't told Maddie what we're talking about. She's really excited about it. Though. I am very excited about this one. So this one is actually the first serial killer. That ever existed in the United States. In the United States. Dun, 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 dun. So the first serial killer that they know of that's, like, documented is Jack the Ripper, who was in London. Mm -hmm. um, and he was never found. But this one was found and also the first serial killer in the United States. And they happened almost around the same time frame. Uh, so okay. it was, like, in the 1800s. So, um, yeah, there's a lot. So basically, also I've realized the miracle of... Amazon serial killing of, of serial killing. It's been so cool. Um, no, Child of birth. under budget documentaries. Amazon has the best under budget documentaries. They're hilarious, but they're like still informative. But they're like graphics are terrible. Yeah, like just bad music, bad, terrible fonts, like in dripping blood. Hilarious. Great. Yeah, I know you care a lot about that. So, one of the ones that I watched. Um, was on Amazon, and then I watched another one that used to be on Hulu, but I think they took it off, which is slightly upsetting. Don't know why no one else finds these as interesting as I do. I um, well, you do now, but you didn't back in the day. No, I'm saying I understand why. Oh, okay. Okay. So what you're saying is you don't like our podcast. <laughs> you don't like anything we talk about. <laughs> Just not the, in case you were wondering. Mm. <laughs> the one we do the most of. <laughs> Oh, potential spam. Good time. Why the hell are they calling this late? Okay. <clears throat> Anywho. So, this is the story of H.H. H. Holmes. All Do you want to guess where it is? Do you want to guess? I like it for Minnesota to sit right there. Do you want to guess where it is? Arkansas. Why would it be Arkansas? Oh, there's weird people there. Okay. Uh, so, so no, Chicago, actually. Okay. Um, and it's in the late 1800s. Okay. So, um, H.H. H. Holmes is a prominent businessman. He's known as a loving husband. He's a successful doctor. He lives in the sprawling castle in Chicago that is, like, very known in the area. He's known as this very successful, important man. By the end of 1895, he will also be known around Chicago as the monster of 63rd Street. Ooh. America's first serial killer. Dun, 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 dun. <clears throat> okay, so um, November 24th, 19, 
1894. Mm-hmm. This is a journal entry that um, he wrote whenever he was in prison. Okay. He said, a week ago today, I was placed under arrest in Boston and after a preliminary hearing was brought here to Philadelphia where I was confined at police headquarters. Yesterday, I was placed in a crowded conveyance with a filthy lot of humanity and after what seemed to be an endless drive, reached the county prison located at 10th and Reed Street, which is known as Moyamensing. Moyamensing. I don't know. It's, no, I don't know. Um, <clears throat> so that is where he ends up. So we're going to talk about how he gets there. So. Um, Gilmanton, New Hampshire, Herbert Webster Mudgett is born in 1861. The Mudgett family is the first white settlers in that area. So they're like, you know, the OGs. He's under strict discipline from both of his parents. They're very religious and he's really smart. He gets amazing grades, but his schoolmates bully him because he's so smart and they're like, think that he's the lamest ever. So his, um, Schoolmates once dragged him. This is like what he considers one of his like defining moments. They drag him into the office of the town doctor, um, which I guess they had those, you mm-hmm. know, uh, and was forced to look at a skeleton because he was terrified of them. Everyone knew about it. So once they learned that he was scared of them, they were like, oh, we're taking him there. So he has to look at it like oh. and dragged him whenever he was like seven or eight. Oh, um, they outstretched his arms or they outstretched the skeleton's arms and like made it come after him kind of. And it like really freaked him out. And he said that he basically said that it worked as like accidental exposure therapy for him. And instead of like being terrified of it, he just had a burning curiosity about medicine and about anatomy. But he also learned a very important lesson about fear of like what it looks like to come up against fear and how to suppress it. Oh, yeah. Interesting takeaway from a seven-year-old. Right. Well, at the time, I mean, he didn't know that. But later on, he was able to, like, you know. So, um, grows up still in New Hampshire. He ends up going to the University of Michigan Medical School in 1882, which is so weird to me that there were, like, colleges then. Yeah. That was, like, a nice thing. I was just thinking that. I mean, there weren't a lot of people. I think this one, and I don't remember if this is this documentary or a different different documentary I watched. I don't know. Okay. I'm... I'm, an, I'm a nerd. I'm just so nerdy. <laughs> um, they uh, were saying that, like, I think that the biggest college in the area was, like, had a 1,000 people, and that was, like, huge, massive. But, like, that actually is kind of big for, like, settlers. Yeah. I mean, I guess they weren't settling anymore. When did people settle? I don't know. I don't know either. We're not good with history. We were going through – well, actually, <laughs> I'm not very good with history. Well, I'm kind of good at history. <laughs> Maddie just straight up doesn't know anything happened, which is, you know, fine. But we were trying to go through, like, what the timeline of, like, the Great Depression. We're going into the 40s, the 50s, the 60s. And Maddie was like, the Great Depression happened in No, the I 80s. was like, what year did World War II happen? You, yeah, but you didn't. I don't even know the year it started, but you didn't even have a reference of what era. No, I didn't have a frame of reference. Yeah, it's okay. Do you want to know what was throwing me off? What? I saw a TikTok. I some somehow was on Historitalk. Excuse me. <laughs> and I saw something and I was like, what the heck? When was this? So I asked you and then you were like, well, this happened before this and then this started this time. And I just was lost. I'm not proud of the fact that I'm not very historically. Historically accurate. <laughs> yeah, that's probably okay. what I say it. Um, but here she's I smart. Am. I don't think she's stupid. She says no history. Just smiles at the camera. Okay. <laughs> um, so he goes to the University of Michigan Medical School, 1882. He's a prodigy in chemistry and anatomy. Profilers now think this is where his fantasies were developed and where he could finally like fulfill them. So he had these fantasies, didn't know what to do with them. About like medicine. Um, about anatomy. About like okay. weird things about the body, but like that were like not normal. I mean, yeah, like everyone has fantasies about a body, but like <laughs> right. not a, a body, <laughs> like not a person like attached atomic, to the body, atomically right. accurate. Yeah, like I'm not gonna part, say like, oh, I'm really into that kneecap. Like I'm not, I'm not sexually attracted to the kneecap. Really going for your left ventricle. Okay, Is yeah, that part of your heart. Yeah, okay, I think. Okay. <laughs> um, so they think this is where he finally was realizing that he could fulfill those fantasies when he was working on cadavers. Oh. So he learns how to con people around that time too. So around that time, there's a ton of accusations of fraud, poisoning, and death that follow him as he graduates. He starts to move around the country, and he ends up moving just to like get away from all of this chaos that he's causing, essentially. Okay. So he decides that he's going to change his identity after a while because 
eventually he can't keep doing the same things in the same cities and you know he's bopping around everywhere so he is now changing his name to henry howard holmes h.h H. holmes so he decides to move to Chicago in 1866. Um, he moves there because it's a booming financial city at the time, and a ton of people are moving there. So it's the perfect place to start over because no one knows anyone. Everyone's starting over. He can just completely clean slate it. What? I'm just yawning like four times in a row. Oh, I love that. Um, okay, so at the same time, he's reading a lot of Edgar Allan Poe, and he says that he's really inspired by darkness and the imagery in the poems, which are all oh, about death. They're all dark. Yeah. They're literally all dark. Like, that man was not okay. No good, one checked on him. Good poet, though. Great poet. Love him. The Telltale Heart. Is that what it's called? I think so. That's terrifying. I remember being scared of that. Yeah. Like, why did they let us read that in the seventh grade? I'm not sure. Who do I got to talk to? Nobody checked on him. He didn't have a great inner circle. If you have a friend that reminds you of Edgar Allan Poe, just check call them, in them after this. Yeah, just call them. Make sure they're going. They're they're going okay. Nope, doing okay. You're drinking a ginger ale again. It's my drink of choice. You're really into ginger ale, and I'm really into tangerine white gloss. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sorry, bad time to drink. Okay, <clears throat> so a um, hundred trains go through this. No, try again. A hundred trains go through the suburbs of Chicago every day where Holmes lives in Inglewood. Um, it's the only suburb in Chicago that has this. So it makes it like a hub of travel that he manages to use to his advantage, which will come into play. So he finds work immediately at E.S. Holton Drugstore in Inglewood. Everett Holton ends up, um, he's the owner of the drugstore, ends up dying of supposed natural causes. And then shortly thereafter, his wife mysteriously disappears after she had signed the drugstore's name over to Holmes. Oh, done, 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 done. So this ends up giving him a pretty steady flow of cash because obviously people need the pharmacy. So then at the same time, he starts scamming creditors and creates phony inventions. So this is like the typical psychopathy of like white collar crimes that you see a lot. Like not every psychopath. Like we talked about this in our mm-hmm. one thing we talked about before. I don't know when we're posting this, whatever. Um, but not every psychopath is going to, like, be a murderer. It's, like, a certain right. set of, yes. of factors. So a lot of people that actually are psychopaths are probably working in, like, white-collar sort of normal jobs. Right. Um, so he ends up – one of his biggest scams is a mineral water elixir um, that's supposed to, like, be this fancy mineral water. But it actually is just um, city water, just straight up. The, like the worst of the not even filtered water, just like city water. And people Sounds are like, oh, like an Arbonne product. Tastes, <laughs> they're like, tastes a little different. And it's just because it has more toxins, not less. <laughs> um, so 1878, he gets a house on the corner of 63rd and Wallace Street. His dream is to construct a building that will fuel all of his murderous fantasies. No one yet knows what exactly that means except for him. So this is around the same time, like I said, that Jack the Ripper is murdering women in London. And so the news comes to America that this is happening because it's the first ever serial killer that's ever been documented. So people are like, what the hell is going on? Mm -hmm. And Holmes is like inspired by what he's doing, but he's also like wants to one up him of like, you're not the only one that can do this, Mm -hmm. which is disgusting. So Holmes begins construction on what is known as the castle. It's huge for the suburb. It's a city of, like, a million immigrants. Like, people are moving in everywhere, and he's building an actual castle. He's um, the architect of the building, and he had constant turnover of builders so that no one could catch on about the strangeness. So they would, like, each build a really weird room, and then he would switch builders. And so no one knew, like, hey, this guy's building this really strange dungeon. They'd be like, oh, this is the basement. And then you'd have someone else come in and put in something different. Oh, So it smart. never made sense. Yes. But he's also scamming people so that he didn't have to pay them fair wages. So he would um, basically, like, come in and say that they did shoddy work, even though they didn't, and, like, blame uh, them for it and then not pay them and then have somebody else come in. And so it was never big enough payments that they would say, like, we built this whole place and sue him. It was, like, little – it was just, like, one room. They'd yeah. be like, shut up. We'll eat it. Whatever. Um, okay. So – No one had any idea of the clear structure of the house. On the ground floor of his castle, he has a pharmacy, a barbershop, a jewelry store, a restaurant, and a blacksmith shop. Wow. So it's like a whole, like, block. A mall. Yeah, it literally is. So then the third floor, he has rented rooms. Like, it's like a little Airbnb, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Offices and his own bedroom. So it's like where he actually lives is up there. Mm -hmm. But the second floor, which I don't know why he made it the middle floor. I was confused by that, but whatever. So the second floor has 35 different rooms. And all of them are specific designs of killing chambers. 
What? Yeah, he creates them all for like different ways. And you know for what the I think first of? First serial killer, like this is elaborate. Exactly. Well, here's the thing. It's also like how did he get these ideas for things? Is yeah. what I'm wondering. Like he had to have been planning this for so like for years. Right. And also goes to show that like the weirdness of the mental state of serial killers mm-hmm. like doesn't always need inspiration <sighs> and is weirdly like like I think it knows what it wants. Yeah. Like without having to be like, oh, someone else did it, so I have to do it. Right. Like he's the first of his kind, really. Yeah. Because Jack the Ripper even wasn't like doing. He wasn't doing this. He didn't build a castle of murder rooms. Yeah. He was murdering prostitutes. Like it was different. Like he was murdering them in the street. Like no planning. Right. But this guy's like going. That was impulsive. This is very like premeditated. Very yes. So. Um, they said there were multiple staircases and doorways that led to nowhere. There was a concealed greased chute and trap door that led to the basement so he could remove a chunk of the wall and then throw a body down the chute so that he didn't have to carry it down the steps because he had to go down that first floor where the pharmacy and the barbershop and all that stuff is. So he said that the basement was like his favorite place out of the whole the whole castle so it was a medieval tortured dungeon it had acid vats it has its own crematorium what yeah because i guess whenever you're a builder you can probably explain one of those things away if you don't know about the rest of it yeah and he had probably reasons why he needed certain things because he had all these businesses he could probably bs his way out of whatever yeah and at the time they don't have google so if he's like oh yeah no this is what we do in my You're business just taking someone's word right and they're getting money and they're in chicago and they're working a blue collar job it's like whatever yeah. Horrifying. So he ends up, he also makes a torture device that would tie up people's limbs and just slowly stretch them out. Like tearing Ew. them limb from limb. Isn't that disgusting? So he's like a little engineer. It's kind of like cool, right? Heart. <clears throat> yeah. Oh, I forgot about that. Oh, I just got goosebumps on my neck. Oh, my God. Okay. So, oh, God, I really can't shake that one. That's so nasty. I hate that scene. Thank you. It. it yeah, it helps if you burp me like a baby. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what to do. Do you want a hug? Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> this is intimate. Okay. So, Benjamin Pitzel comes into the story. Pitzel. Pitzel. Benjamin Pretzel. He <laughs> moves to Chicago with his family in 1889. He can't find any luck with jobs. He traveled to the Midwest for 10 years trying to make ends meet for his family. He's arrested several times for petty crimes just trying to support them. So, he's married to his wife, Carrie, and they have five children. There's Desi, who's the oldest. She's 17. Um, there's Alice, Nellie. Why do I only have Desi's age? I guess I didn't care about the rest of them. Alice, Nellie, Howard, and then their infant son, Wharton, which sucks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so um, around the time they moved to Chicago, Pitzel starts to drink heavily out of stress. He's really devoted to his family. He loves them a lot, and he's trying to find random jobs to provide. And so he ends up putting a newspaper ad out to get a labor job and to work for whatever he can get. He accidentally, through this, becomes Holmes' right-hand man. Accidentally. Accidentally. You know what? I'd be anybody's right-hand man until they turn out to be the world's first serial killer. (laughs) Nope. Not world's. America's. Anyways. Um, The thing is, Holmes doesn't look dangerous. If you look at pictures of him, he's literally like a handsome-looking guy. Okay. Like, I'll post a picture of him. You can see it on our Instagram. He is, like, good-looking. He's got a mustache, and you know how I feel about that. (laughs) Yeah, you have a bias. I feel good about it. I would have dated him and hope he didn't tear me limb from limb. He would have. He might have. He would have burned you in the acid vat. Oh, that's so rude. God. Okay. Um, okay. I don't know what's happening to me. He is um, elegant and successful is how people described him. And Benjamin said he had no reason to not trust him. So Holmes gets close to the whole family and they all take super well to each other. He like comes over to the house. They become family friends. So the World's Fair happens in 1893 and millions of people are there. It's like this big tourist attraction. And Holmes knows that this is his best opportunity to put his castle to good work while tourists are in town because no, all the families are saying then in the 1800s, it's like, okay, I'm going to Chicago. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, fine. They went to Chicago and they never came back. What are you going to do about it? Right. Like, probably not much. So he ends up renting out rooms. He renovates the entire third floor. He puts all of the renovations on credit, which he never pays for. So the city paid for this murder house. Oh, my God. All the victims would be unknown in the city. Um, Basically, they said in the documentary, like, they went to Chicago and never came back. That would be the story for all of them. So some of these people Mm -hmm. go in and out with no problem. So it wasn't like everybody that was going into the house is dying. A lot of people are going in and they're fine. And then some just don't come out. Hmm. Ah! 
terrifying. So um, Holmes' office, oh, this is so gross, has a master control panel that turned on gas in airtight sleeping chambers. What? Mm-hmm. I don't know how this he constructed this part. Exactly. So he would watch from a people. He would, like, cut out a piece of the door, put a piece of glass in there so he could see it. And he would slowly asphyxiate people. So he would just, like, turn on a little flip and it would just fill up with gas. And it was like a, like a concentration camp, but in his house. And were they waking up realizing I can't breathe and trying to get out of the room? Yeah, and he would watch. That's the part that he liked. How did people not hear? Hear what? Other people like banging on the door, being like, "Get me out!" Of here. Well, he soundproofed the rooms. Oh. Mm-hmm. He managed, and he would also keep people separate in a way that like they probably wouldn't be able to hear. Ugh. Yeah, okay. and he probably wasn't doing it when there was a ton of people there. Like he probably wouldn't do it with a million. Okay, so Holmes is attractive. In case I haven't already brought that up. <laughs> That's kind of into him, if you couldn't tell. I mentioned it several times. He is also really rich. So at one point, he has three wives all at the same time. And they don't know about each other. No. Or they're due and they're cool with it. No, they don't know about each other. Oh. Yeah. So Julia Connor is in 1890. She has a relationship with Holmes and lives with him in the castle with her young daughter. But that year, she ends up getting pregnant and she just demands that he marries her. And so he agrees, even though he's super reluctant, as long as she allows him to perform the abortion on her. He's like, you can't have a kid, but I will marry you. And she's like, yeah, you're rich. Probably the best I'm going to get. I have a kid. Let's do it. Julia and her daughter, Pearl, are never seen again after that. Oh. He's a, he's a doctor. So she's like, oh, yeah, we're good. Oh, that's sad. Man. Terrifying. So um, Emily Nope, Emmeline Sigrand was employed as a private secretary for him. They end up having an affair. She goes into the vault for something. He tells her to go into this vault. And she's then suffocated and asphyxiated by that gas. How is it an affair if he killed his wife? No, this was prior. Well, it's not even necessarily, I guess, an affair. It is a relationship, but no one was to know about it. Okay. Yeah. Um. In 1893, Minnie Williams is the private secretary for him and also his mistress again. She has a property in Texas that's worth over $40,000. And he realizes that this is, you know, at the time, that's a whole lot of money. I mean, it's a lot of money now, but it was a lot of money then. Yeah. So he has Minnie and her sister, Nanny, terrible name, um, sign over the property. Somehow he convinces them to do that and then kills both of them. Wow. Uh, throws them down the chute to dispose of their bodies in the crematorium. In 1894, Georgiana Yoke becomes his third wife. He marries her under a different name. And then Georgiana was the only wife of his that was not murdered. Wow. He really loved her. I guess. Beautiful. Which she actually comes back into play later. Um, so around the same time, while, you know, H.H. H. Holmes is living his, living his dreams with all of these women, Benjamin uh, Pitzel keeps drinking, and he would, would begin to argue with Holmes over money. After they've known each other for a while, they would go back and forth. Holmes is worried that Ben will tell other people about all of these cons and business arrangements when he's drunk somewhere, that he'll, like, slip up and tell on him. Okay. So he starts to plan how he's going to avoid that and get rid of the problem, which would be Ben. Um, and I'm calling him Ben, but I don't know if they called him that then. Do you think they shortened it for Ben in the 1800s? Maybe. I don't know. That feels kind of, I don't know, casual. So he convinces Ben to take out a life insurance policy. Carrie would be the beneficiary of the already existing policy. The plan was to stage Pitzel's death for insurance money. He was going to get a cadaver from the nearby university, which he had access to because he was an alum there. And he would have no problem getting it. So then Pitzel would go underground, quote unquote, for a while. Then they would split the money. Once the investigation's over, they have to like look into into the death. And then Holmes and Pitzel would leave Chicago in 1893 to like start on this journey of disappearing, essentially. So they're on the run, committing fraud as they take as they take trains through the country, going by a bunch of different pseudonyms. Wow. And they like, he like left his family behind and is sending them back money periodically. Oh. And Carrie's taking care of the five kids. So, 1894, he's in St. Louis. He tries to con another pharmacy owner um, and he ends up getting caught in one way or another. So, Marion Hedgepath is a notorious outlaw at the time. And he, um, they're in the same jail cell together. He tells them, um, H.H. Holmes tells Marion, about the insurance plan that he cooked up with Pitzel and about how they're going to do all of it, tells him all the details. And he tells him, I'm going to give you a chunk of the cash once I get it. 
like once this whole I plan off this whole thing and I kill this guy, I'll get you some of the money because you're a good dude. I mean, he's like an outlaw criminal. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is apparently Marion like really takes his word on that one. That comes back later. So um, Marion gives him the name of a crooked attorney who can help him out to get him out of prison. And so Holmes um, says that he also witnessed a hanging in the courtyard while he was in that jail. And he said that he really thought that it was going to change him. He saw it and he was like, I can't keep doing this. That can't be me. Whatever. So he thinks that he's like, and he is, they have like somebody doing a voiceover of like some of his journal entries. And it's him saying like, he didn't want to end up with this man. He just found it to be so gruesome. So he ends up getting bailed out of prison by his wife at the time, Georgina Yoke. Um, he lies about the reason he's in prison to her. He said it was just like this huge miscommunication and they arrested the wrong guy and Georgina buys it. Um, he and Pitzel land in Philadelphia after this. They take the train to Philly and they create another insurance scam. So clearly he wasn't that worried about being hanged. He <laughs> yeah. was like, nuts. Nah, I mean, yes, I'm worried, but like not, not that enough. worried. Yeah. So they create um, another insurance scam. I said that. Okay. Yep. And Carrie is not down for the idea initially, but Benjamin's wife. Mm-hmm. But eventually she's like desperate enough to just go for it. So Benjamin Pitzel is at this point going by the name B.F. Perry. And he's an uh, inventor, patenter person. Okay. So one day in 1894, an inventor has to meet up with Perry to get his patent. They have a meeting in this building that they rented out. He finds the lobby of the building is completely empty. So he goes upstairs to where he knows the officers are. Nope. The offices are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, in B.F. Perry's office, which is obviously Pitzel, he finds him face down on the floor, dead. Oh, dun, shoot. Dun, dun, dun. They believe that he is killed most likely with chloroform, that he was suffocated with it. And it knocked him out permanently. So, obviously, forensics wasn't around at the time. Um, they could only find chloroform in the stomach contents by labeling the color and the odor. They couldn't like level. There's no way to level what if it was actually in there. Yeah. So they would literally open up the body and like smell around. Sniff around. <laughs> You're like, yeah, chloroform. Yeah. Um, Beef stew. And they can only find it if it was in. <laughs> they can only find it if it's in large amounts. Right. So it had to be a lot. Of exactly. Um, they said mine amounts couldn't be traced, but it was he apparently reeked of chloroform. Wow. So. so um, around the time that he dies, H.H. H. Holmes has to tell Carrie that her husband's dead. Um, it, Carrie and the younger siblings are all sick. So everybody thinks that he's telling Carrie this, but that's not what he's telling Carrie. Carrie has been told at this point that Holmes is still alive and well and that this is a part of the, the original insurance scam. For her husband to die? Yeah, that he was going to die and go underground. Oh, yeah. gotcha. So, but he's actually dead. But he is actually dead, yeah. Okay. So Carrie and her younger siblings are are, and the younger siblings, not her younger siblings. The three younger kids are all sick. So she ends up sending the 15-year-old Alice, who's not sick, to go identify her father's body. Um, so she sends her on a train to go meet up with H.H. H. Holmes. Great. Yeah. Not having any idea. Mm-hmm. The coroner rolls it as an accidental death. And when Holmes arrives back in Chicago a few weeks later, he comes back to the house, meets up with Carrie. He doesn't have Alice. Yikes. Does he say she just never came? Well, when Carrie asks where her daughter is, he assures her that she's just with Benjamin. They're both alive and they're they're out together. He dropped her off so that oh, they could be together. Oh, gosh. So he told um, her that Nellie and Howard should also probably stay with their father, the two kids. And for some reason, she agrees to this. He somehow swindles a reason that nobody really knows how he mm-hmm. managed to do it. Um, most likely because they said most likely it's because she was just in desperate need and he's the only one who knows where they even are. And so he just managed to convince her. So, uh, the entire time Alice is writing letters whenever she's with Holmes and they're all supposed to be going to her mom. And he's saying, Oh yes, thank you. Give me this other letter from your mom. I'm going to mail it to her. Do you think she ever got those letters? No. No. But he's just keeping Alice. He didn't kill her. He's just keeping her. As of now. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. He ends up moving all of the kids around the country, playing this game of like Monopoly with them. Nothing like Monopoly, actually. He's just moving them, though. Okay. And he's lodging them in different places around the country. So he's moving Carrie and the other and the other two kids and then also moving the three kids in different spots. So he's traveling doing all these different scams and he's just moving them to different places. Right. And it's like this fun thing to him. Like he could have just killed them, but it's also about like the mental game. Yeah. So Holmes um, does forget one thing though. And out of all the things that he's doing, he never pays Marion Hedgepeth the $500 that he promised him for that referral for the attorney. 
Uh, he heard about Pitzel's murder and he immediately contacts the police. He's like, this scumbag never gave me my money. Oh, so if he just would have, I'm not like on <laughs> oh, if his only. side, but if he would have just paid yep. him off, he wouldn't have gotten caught. Yep. Yep. So Holmes ends up being arrested in Boston in November of 1894. He is in a Philadelphia prison and a charge with fraud of a life insurance policy. He insists though that Pitzel had committed suicide but he does plead guilty to the fraud because he did capitalize on it. But he was saying, no, he actually, he killed himself. But his, his thing was like, if he committed suicide, his family wouldn't get the insurance money. And I wanted them to get the insurance money. Okay. Eh. Lies. So now the question is, where are the other three pencil children? Mm-hmm. Um, now he ends up sending them on a wild goose chase to find these kids. Cause he thinks it's hilarious. No one knows if they're alive or dead. Um, this man named Phil Geyer is the detective on the case and he's there to find the kids and he traces Alice's letters that Holmes was hoarding, never sending them to her mother. Mm-hmm. And he finds that, uh, after several months of traveling around the country, he finds the remains of Harold inside a stove in Indianapolis. Oh yeah. my gosh. The two terrible. little girls are buried in Toronto in a cellar. Oh yeah. So I think they like, he reunited them. And they were probably super happy about it. And then he killed them. That's terrible. So overnight, he becomes a notorious figure as the greatest criminal of his age. The first serial killer that's been in the United States. Which probably terrified people because they thought, like, wow, that's London's problem. Like, they have Jack the Ripper. Mm -hmm. But now it's, like, happening there. Yeah. Uh, 1895 in July, they entered the Holmes Castle. They finally have the the legal rights to go in and search the castle. And that's where they find all of the torture chambers. They get to the basement – where they find piles of mixed human and animal bones, bloody underwear, and a dissection table covered in dried blood. Ew. They are inundated with 50 missing people who are traced back to the castle. 50? Well, people realize, like, wait, my family member went to Chicago and never came back. Yeah. And so they're just calling. So people are like, hey. And there's probably other, like, random murders or, like, random accidents that weren't attributed to him. Right. So they're people are calling all calling, everything. trying to figure out what's going on. Um, are they calling? Can you call? Mm, I don't know. No. We haven't mentioned a phone. No. There's no phone. They're writing yet. letters. They're, when was the phone invented? I think like 1901 or something. So they don't have one. No. Hey, uh, I never come to be a history expert. Stop attacking me. So, but the thing is, obviously, they don't have forensics. <laughs> this says 2007. So <laughs> that's weird. Oh, no, that's 76. Oh, so they did have phones. Wow. But just like the probably the very basics. I don't know if it could have called that far. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. So anyways, they have um, the blood and the bones. So they know that they killed someone. They just don't have the forensics to identify those bodies. Yeah. They have, and apparently they were doing something at the time. And I think I have something in here about it. Maybe not. But like their method of labeling a body part at that time was just by taking measurements. So it was like, oh. hey, we found these bones and like they match your dad's measurements. I just don't know if it's him. Sorry. Right. Like that That's sucks. so unsettling. Yeah. Um, years after that, the castle is mysteriously burnt to the ground. So it's not in Chicago anymore. Somebody burned it. They were considering mm-hmm. making it into a museum at the time. And so somebody oh, came in and cool. burnt it. It would have been really cool, but I guess the people that actually lived there were like, we're trying to forget that this happened. Yeah, which is understandable. Right. So he writes an autobiography when he's in prison. And he calls it Holmes' own story. He tries to convince the public that he's innocent. His trial date is set October 28th, 1895. On the first day of the trial, he dismisses his counsel in a very narcissistic Ted Bundy sort of fashion. Mm-hmm. Or I guess Ted Bundy did it in an H.H. Holmes sort of fashion. <laughs> yes. Here we are. He fires him in front of everyone. He did exactly what Ted Bundy did. Yeah. Um, and so now he's his own attorney. But remember, he's also a doctor, so he's oh, able to talk a lot about anatomy and then yeah. challenge the, the coroners to be like, oh, really? You think you know that about a body? Well, what about this, this, and this? Interesting. And, like, no one else at this point has any kind of medical knowledge unless you went to medical school. Right. So everyone's like, oh, like, I don't know if they even had a – do they have a jury? I guess they have a jury. And, uh, like, who else knows that? They're probably yeah. like, oh, these doctors are all fighting about something. How do we know for a fact? But still, even after he's challenging the doctors and stuff, he ends up behind. And he brings back the attorneys once he realizes that he's failing (laughs) so that he has, like, someone to blame. (laughs) And a woman dressed in black is brought to the courtroom on the third day. That woman is Carrie. Carrie. Mm -hmm. 
she is on the stand. She tells the whole story about the fraud, the kidnapping, the murders. She reads the letters from her daughter on the stand. Wow, we've had a jury since 1791. Wow. Uh, okay, America. Okay, say that last part again. Okay. Um, she is on the stand. She tells the whole story about the fraud, the kidnapping, the murders. She reads the letters from her daughter on the stand. Oh. And they said that gosh. everybody in the courtroom is weeping by the why time that Carrie gets he, off the stand. Why didn't he burn those letters? I don't think he why thought he was going to get caught. Them? I don't think he thought but he was going to caught. Why keep I them? I think it was like another element of control of like, yeah. it probably felt good to him that she thought these letters were going somewhere. Yeah. Like it was probably some twisted something. I would think, I mean, I'm here's the thing. I'm, I don't think I'm a sociopath, so I don't know. Right. <laughs> well, he's not a sociopath. He's a psychopath, but stuff. So, um, everyone in the courtroom is weeping by the time Carrie leaves, but H.H. H. Holmes is sitting there indifferent. He's doodling on a notepad. Mm. Like, does not give a shit. So, H.H. H. Holmes, um, does, however, sob uncontrollably, however, I said that twice, at the side of his wife. Whenever Georgina Yoke comes in, um, he, oh, she comes in and makes, gosh. like, a statement of, which they didn't even say what she said. I think it was irrelevant because they didn't even mention it, but, um, she, I think they were saying they think that it was like an attempt of like, oh man, I should have cried there, but I didn't. And now here's my attempt to look human and like cry. Mm-hmm. But then some people were saying like maybe Georgina was his soft spot. Like maybe it was because he didn't kill her, right? He didn't kill her, and maybe it was. That's what I was thinking. But granted, this is from like two documentaries that I watched. So I don't know, but he, I'm thinking potentially it was another narcissistic thing of like oh well this actually immediately impacts me that girl doesn't impact mm, me mm-hmm. but this yeah. is like something i'm losing right i don't know so he makes no statement which everybody is very disappointed about they were like anticipating his statement he is found guilty of murder and he is hung on may 7th 1896 before his death he writes direct accounts of every murder that he committed including one that he wasn't accused of he relives oh. these murders in alarming details about insane contraptions that he created. So he was like, okay, fine. If I'm caught, I'm caught. And he goes into, like, everything. Wow. Yeah. Um, he, put, he says at one point, I believe fully that I'm growing to resemble the devil. He thought that as he was in prison oh. longer, he was, like, getting skinnier and sickly. And, like, his face was getting longer and he's drooping. And he said, like, his facial f- features were starting to twist and he like felt like he was starting to become the devil himself. Ew. Yeah. Um, at the gallows though, he recants everything. What? So they're going to hang him and he's like, just kidding. Which <laughs> shut up. A little too late. Uh, but of course he's hanged anyways, nine days before his 35th birthday. He's so young. So young. I, whenever I was reading, whenever they said that at the very end, I was like, wait a minute. That's 35? so young. I mean, that's like what? 12 years older than us. Yeah. Well, no, 11, 12. Yeah. 11 for you, 12 for me. 10 and a half for me. Okay. You're like a sixth grader. Well, I'm not 11. I'm 11 and a half. <laughs> um, extensive research shows at least nine people, but they say that the number suspected around the world could be up to 100. They can only confirm nine. Oh, But shoot. the number, I mean, it has to be. They said only confirmed nine, but it has to be way more than that because they weren't, there was at least 50 bodies. Yeah. Like, those were him, for sure. Oh, I mean, yeah. It just ha- – and, like, who knows who he killed. And that – in the amount of time he was traveling around the world, people were going missing. There's all these frauds. Right. I don't know 50 they- people at his castle alone. Yeah. It's – it has to be a crazy amount that they just weren't able to confirm. And I wonder if, like, something like this had happened now, if he would have had the – like, the technology, how much more we would have known. Oh, about it. So he's like a very important framework now of like what people go to when they're looking at psychopathy. Interesting. Um, But also, I'm also listening to this other podcast. It's called Tenfold More Wicked. Okay. It's another, the reason I'm listening to it, it was on My Favorite Murder. Um, It's their podcast company's like sister. They have like a bunch of like, it's their production company. Mm -hmm. And they make all these other different podcasts. Well, one of them is this one. And it's telling the story of um, Edward, Edward? Yeah, Edward mm-hmm. Ruloff, Edward Cullen. <laughs> no, Edward Ruloff. Mm-hmm. And he was another one of, like, the suspected first serial killers. I don't know which one. I'm, Holmes is, like, the notorious one. But this guy was one that killed in upstate New York. And that one's really interesting, too. But he was another one that was, like, a framework for psychopathy. Psychopathy. Yeah. Oh, That's actually another one of my weird pet peeves is never people say psychopathy. Yes. No, that. me too. And I'm like, mm, okay. So you're I don't like it. psychopathy. 
but I didn't necessarily put it together that it's psychopathy. Hmm. It must be hard to not be as smart as me. Psychopathy. Yeah, it's down. It just it's just not right. <laughs> it's just incorrect. Yeah. So um, that's H.H. H. Holmes, the America's first serial killer. Wow. Or confirmed wow. serial killer, I guess I should say. There might have been one before him, but who knows? Who knows? The Can castle. Find... The castle. He had a murder castle. That's like insane. Doesn't even sound right. Yeah. But the documentary is on Amazon. I don't remember what it's called, but um, it was it was hilarious. But <laughs> it's just very like corny. Yeah. But it was a grand old time. Oh. I just chilled here by myself. I don't know how you do that. Mm, you know. listen to murder podcasts. It doesn't phase me anymore. I'm telling you. Oof. Not me. I thought about Issy Sagawa for days. Mm. Issy Sagawa. If you haven't listened to that episode, kind of a good one. Not gonna lie. Guard me. I mean, it wasn't good. It wasn't a fun time for anyone involved, especially Renee. That's all I got to say about the subject. Oh, I know. Poor girl. Sad. Yeah. If anyone Googled the pictures, let me know. I saw them accidentally. I, I wasn't did. intending. You did? Yeah. <gasps> you Googled. you were just curious. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's I'm gross. If you haven't listened to the episode, it is about Issy Sagawa, the cannibal, who is still around in Japan, just roaming the streets. Yep. He's a free so man. So we're, we're talking about how the uh, body, there's pictures of the body just online just because he sold the pictures and he sold the rights to it afterwards because he was in prison. So the pictures are out there. Yeah. And they're disgusting. They're Ooh. so great. Did you see the, like, graphic, graphic ones? Yeah. Like the boobs. Yeah. Ooh. I thought he was a butt guy, but there's oh. a lot with the boobs gone. Well, yeah, he got the he got the butt, but I think you really get the full picture with the boobs, too. Ooh. I think he started with the butt and then, like, kept moving on. I'm assuming, like, the super fatty areas, he was like, yeah, that's it. That's the, that's the moneymaker. Yeah. That's Which, interesting. Yeah. All disturbing. All disturbing. Why can't there be more than one disturbing thing at a time? You know what I mean? There is. Oh, okay. Well, then, yeah, we're fine. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, we never are sure. So, yeah, that's that. Um, Hope everybody has a great holiday. Uh-huh. It's happening. Maddie and I are going to be separated for even longer than Thanksgiving break, which... Oh, my gosh. I didn't even think about that. I did. I think about it every day. Wow. One single tear. It's going to suck. <laughs> <laughs> It's okay. We'll be good. I hope you guys could just hear my like weird bunny whimper that I just. Yeah, it actually did sound very animalistic. It did. Oh, I should have acknowledged the fact that there's Taylor Swifts behind us. Oh, I didn't even think of that. If you're watching the video, you see uh, to do sue Taylor Swift for slander and committing a targeted hate crime against me. Under that is laundry. And then under that, I did do laundry. Else. I have yet to sue Taylor Swift, but it is on my list. Yeah, Taylor, or just DM me back, and I won't even sue you. <laughs> uh, and then I also have my list of one through fifteen of Taylor's best songs on the album, ranked from first to yeah. favorite to least favorite. Yeah, yeah. It was a lot of hard work, but someone had to do it. Yeah, sure. Okay. Goodbye. You didn't click anything? Yeah, I was just waiting for you to say goodbye to you. Oh, goodbye. <laughs> Average and only.